0: If you have your Bibles, I would like to invite you today to turn with me to 1 Peter, the 5th chapter. I'll be reading one verse of Scripture in the 5th chapter of 1 Peter, verse verse 7. So if you have that, we'll read along. If you do not have that, it should be on the screen here behind me. The Bible says, casting all your care upon Him for he careth for you amen casting casting all of your care this is verse 7 is a continuation of verse 6 verse 6 says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of god and he that he may exalt you in due time found in my own life and and in the lives of others that to get to the place where we can truly cast our cares upon Him, it doesn't start there, it ends there. It starts with what verse 6 says, and that is humbling ourselves, humbling ourselves under His mighty hand. So before the casting of cares can transpire, there must be an humbling of ourselves under His hand. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. We're going to talk a little while today from this text and this thought. It should be, tell your neighbor, it should be obvious. It should be obvious. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. A couple of months ago, Lisa and I... Marley traveled to Louisiana. I've been to Louisiana many times throughout my life. Uh, One of the reasons is my father was from Louisiana and my grandparents lived in uh, Vernon Parish. If you know much about Louisiana, there's, there's not counties and things of that nature, it's parishes. So my grandparents lived in Vernon Parish. That's on the Uh, western side of the state, and it's in between Manny and Leesville. I'm not sure if you know where Manny is or Leesville is, but if you have been a part of the military, especially the army, then you have a little bit of an understanding of that area because that's where Fort, Fort Polk is. And my father, as a boy, when he was four and five years of age, his mother would prepare sandwiches and they would take my father and drop him off at Fort Polk and he would sell sandwiches and newspapers to all of the soldiers at Fort Polk. And so I grew up living in Texas and driving over to Louisiana often to see family and, uh, and that culture in much of the state is ingrained in me because my father was from there. Well, life continued to happen and through the years I had the opportunity to preach in many, many of the cities and towns and places uh, that some of you would probably know nothing about, but there, there are places that are just identified as Camp 8. If you know Louisiana, then you probably know Camp 8. Well, Camp 8 was just a place where they did logging way back in the day, and so uh, they just called it Camp 8, and Camp 8 turned into a little town, And, and it's interesting, the whole dynamic of Louisiana. I've been there over and over and over again, all of their major cities, and in and out of one particular place often, and that is New Orleans. If you know about New Orleans, then there's a lot of culture there, there's a lot of history there, Uh, There's a convergence of many different types of of people and past and the arts and food. And it's an interesting place. So I've been in and out of New Orleans many times. I shared the story with you of when I was in college, my sophomore year, I was chosen. uh, I had this unique privilege with a couple other young men in the school to go to New Orleans during Mardi Gras. And, and, and uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Mardi Gras elsewhere, but if you've never been to Mardi Gras in Louisiana, you, you've never really been to Mardi Gras. You've just been on like fake stuff all over the place. But I went to, to Mardi Gras uh, in New Orleans, not to party, but to pass out tracts, gospel tracts, If you've been around the church any length of time, you will remember back in the day, the church was inundated with gospel tracts. And this is way back 35 years ago or so now. And I had the unique privilege of being chosen out of my college to go with two other young men and and walk the parade line with bags of tracts. I'm not exaggerating at all. When we got to New Orleans, we met at a church and they said, he said, all right. Here is the bag that we want you to carry. It, the bags were so big that it looked like a potato sack or a rice sack. They they strapped over our shoulders, hit us at about the waist, and they went all the way to the ground, and they drugged the ground, and, and the bags were full of tracks. Not little small tracks, but the big, the big tracks, and, and completely full. And they said, okay, the parade route starts here, and it ends there. We're going to drive drop you off at the end, and this is what we would like for you to do. Walk through the crowd and give out these tracks. You may love that kind of stuff, (laughs) but I don't love that kind of stuff. I, I don't think that at least... Well, I know people don't go to Mardi Gras to hear the gospel. They they go to Mardi Gras to get beads and see the floats and 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 act in uh, all ways of. Debauchery and uh, and filth and uh, yeah and you know most people don't even wear clothes during that time and and what clothes they wear when they go they end up coming off after all the stuff they consume and and we were there you know three shining lights in in the middle of thousands of party goers I I look back now and I really think that it was a punishment it was a punishment it. <laughs> Maybe I had, Chris, you probably know, I probably said or did something at school that someone didn't appreciate, and they said, let's send him to Mardi Gras with tracks. I mean, you just can't fit in when you have a bag from here, there, full of the, (laughs) you can't fit in. And they said, all right, now you will run through these things quickly, and, and we'll have a meeting place where we'll restock. We'll reload. And so, man, you would think, okay, if I can give all of these away, I'm free. No, it didn't work that way. They just loaded you down again with more. So so I've been in and out of New Orleans many, many, many times uh, through the years. But back in January, we went, and uh, my wife said, let's... uh, let's take a a, a tour just a, a kind of a private tour of the city I'm like okay you know I grew up right across the Sabine and I I know much about the state and I've traveled all over the place here but if you guys want to get on a van with three or four other people and and ride around for a few hours I know everything there is to know about this city well we get on this we get on this van and we start a tour of New Orleans and in a in, in just a a few minutes, I was intrigued because of the uh, information that was being shared with us from our tour guide, a local guide. And he started talking about this divergence of cultures and history and where it all began and and how things were laid out and the arts and uh, the food and and you have uh, just this this amazing texture, if you will in in a city and we're driving by uh, cemeteries where uh, people are not buried, but they're uh, entombed, if you will, and and he begins to explain how they tried early on to to bury people, but they found out because of the because of the water and how low lying it was that that people didn't stay under the ground, they would float back up and so they had to change the way they would bury people and start building these little shrines, if you will, and, and putting people in there. And, and we're driving through cemeteries, and he's saying, guess how many people are in that one right there? And we're like, I don't know, one or two. He's like, no, 30 people in there. are like, wait, it's, it's like six by six. And they're, they're starting to explain all of this. And, and we're, we're caught up in... This explanation going through the French Quarter and going down into the areas where where many talented people have come from in in as far as musicians are concerned, and he started naming uh, various people and and he would say, "Have you ever heard of such and such?" And we we're like, "Yeah, I've I've heard of that name, or solace, and black." Oh yeah, well this is the and and we go in this area where it's unique for all of these world class jazz musicians and then he takes us by a park and he said well you know where it was birthed from it's birthed from this park right here because of all of the African slaves and African immigrants that were coming in they were given a little bit of time every week on a certain day like Sunday that they could go to the park for a few hours and they were free from all of their work and things that they were expected to do and so they would go there and play their instruments and dance their their native dance and all of a sudden there was this growing out of that a new type of music and so we're driving around I'm taking all of this in and he's he's pointing things out and and we pass by and see a horse drawn procession that's that's taking place with musicians and he's like oh yeah that's that's a jazz that's, that's a jazz player right there Someone passed away and they're, they're marching in front of this procession and they're playing their music. And it, I'm in this world for an hour or two and we happened to go by an interstate. And it dawned on me that I was in New Orleans. I had been transported through the conversations of a tour guide almost into the, the very details of the city that thousands of others that were driving on that interstate had no clue of. And I remember sitting there two months ago thinking, how many times have I been in and out of this place? How many times... Have I been to conventions here, and I've been to services here, and I and I've been to meetings here, and I've driven through this city, and and I've preached in the surrounding areas, and I've eaten in restaurants here through all of these years, and and I did not know all the details of uh, of the city, and and I mean it's it's awesome to be able to drive by Archie Manning's home and pull up and. It's It's not gated, and they say, that's Peyton's dad's house. (laughs) And and the tour guide say, I came by here a a few weeks ago, and Peyton was in the yard out there with the kids. We're like, wow, yeah, Archie Manning. And we're in this, sometimes life gets us in the place that we're living in the big scene, and we're missing the details of where we are. And it's in the details that the big picture has meaning. And if you do not understand the details, then the big picture loses its intent in your life. I was sitting there thinking, wow, this is interesting. It's in the Minutia of life that greater things can be revealed. But if we never take the time to explore the specifics, we will miss the greater purpose. The Bible says this casting all your care. Upon him, for he careth for you. I don't know, Morgan, I don't know if there is a more personal scripture in the entire Bible. The infinite possibility of what is being said here in just a few words, casting all your care. Upon him, for he careth for you. Amen. The possibility here in this personal scripture, we often fail to comprehend. Holly, it's because we're operating in the bigger picture. We're living life in the 66 books. We're we're going through the big purpose, if you will, and we're missing the details that bring validity to everything else. He simply said, so personal, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. When no one else cares about you, He does. When no one else understands you, He does. When no one else will give you the time of day, He is waiting patiently for you to realize that He's right there in the ever-unfolding moments of your life. This is powerful to me. Now, it is the answer, okay? It is the answer You don't even have to look at anybody but me. Just act like I'm preaching to everybody else. But it is the answer for much stress that people face. It is the answer for the heartache that people endure. It is the answer for the pressure that many times we say we're under. I'm under stress. I'm under pressure. If you just knew where I was, my heart is aching. I'm trying to deal with this situation. This simple, personal verse is the answer for every one of those things. He simply said, casting all, not, not some, not specific ones, not a few things. He said, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. When people are tired of hearing your story, when they're tired of hearing about your struggle, when they're done with all of your sobbing and your sickness and your difficulty and your family and your addiction and your storm and your trial, and it may be going on for months and years and it's constantly bubbling up in every conversation when family and friends and people get sick and tired of your depression, and your stress, and your pressure, and your complaint, and your worry, and everything going on, he said, cast it on me, because I care for you, I care for you, counseling, I've been through, I don't even know how many hours training and classes and sessions and I don't even know how many through the years that I have set through and certificates and completion and you you know what counseling basically boils down to and what it teaches us teaches us this you need to be a good listener You can go pay 800 bucks for a class. You can pay thousands if you need to. I have. I've been through all kinds of counseling, training and books and people. You know what it comes down to? If you're going to be a good counselor, you've got to be a good listener. And if you're not a good listener, you'll never make a good counselor. Because most people just want to get it out. They just want to talk it through. They just want to say how they're feeling, what they're dealing with, what's happening in their mind, what they faced, where they came from, where they hope to end up. And it's all about, it's really not about communication. It's not about dialogue. Here's what it's about. Monologue. On the counselees part, <laughs> just talk. I just need to talk. And I found out that if you're not a good listener, you'll probably never be able to help people. Counselors are not problem solvers. They're not, <laughs> they're not the magic bullet. They're not the end-all, be-all. Some act that way, but they're not. If they're really good, worth their salt, they're just good listeners. They just sit there and act like they're writing on stuff. (laughs) I mean, they're drawing stick figures and smiley faces and, you know, (laughs) writing words like crazy. Nuts, underlining it, not problem solvers. We may know technical issues, answers and theoretical propositions and and things, but counselors are not absolute change makers. How many times have you gone and sat down with someone and you thought, this is going to take care of it. This is going to fix it. It's all going to be worked out now. And you go and the longer you talk and the more you tell, you walk out thinking, I am an idiot. I just aired my dirty laundry to some stranger that I'm hoping will hold up their end of the bargain not to go tell the whole world that, that I'm nuts. I mean, talk about trust. Talk about putting your confidence in someone. Okay, they're punished. What happens? You lose your license to practice. Not you lose your license to perfection because you are the end-all, be-all, problem-solver, absolute magic bullet answer. No, practice. So somebody's practicing with me. And if they decide they don't want to practice anymore, they're going to sell my story to the National Enquirer. And my 250 to them is nothing to the millions that they're going to receive to let the whole world know that I'm crazy. Oh, you don't like the way I'm talking right now because I'm right up in the middle of your camp where you've been living for a long time. You've been in this big deal set. It's all going to fix. It's all going to work out. And this person has my answer. And I, you know what? They are a listener, so you can get it out. They're not your problem solver. They have theories. I have theories. I practice this stuff. I do that. Some people say, i got to talk to pastor. i got to tell him all of that. I'll help you with spiritual things. But when it comes to the others, I have a few little keys, but I can't guarantee you it's going to work, especially if you don't go put it in practice. And most of the time, that's the case. I do a whole lot of talking. I give a lot of instructions. Three or four months later, folks want to talk again. We talk again, and I simply say, did you do what I said last time? Well, no, okay, then why are we here? You just need to talk? Okay, talk. Hello? Oh, I I know, I know, I know the day we're living in. I know the world that we're living in. Here's the caveat in all of it. You and I cannot make decisions for people. I can give them my theories, I can give them my experience, I can give them some technical things, I can say this is what I learned, and, this is what you can try, but I can't make the decision for them to walk out and do anything with what I said. I, I can't do that. Does anybody know that's the truth? If they, if they take the advice and they act on the advice, that is totally up to them. It's not up to me. I recently, just a few days ago, I recently spent the better part of an entire day listening to many psychologists and psychiatrists and life coaches. I spent seven or eight hours listening to people who own businesses in this city who specialize in certain things when it comes to the area of counseling. Trauma, children. And I spent the better part of the day listening to some of the most gifted people, minds of not the other side of the world, but right here in our community. They do great work. I appreciate what they bring to the table. I'm glad that there's options for people to turn to and and find specialized things and and, and go. And and, and I'm all for that. I'm not against it at all. And I even, I take notes and I take names. And and I I think, man, if I run across someone that's dealing with that, I know that I'm not the professional. I know someone I can send them to. I know someone that may be able to work through. I, I understand all of that. But do you know, while I was sitting in in, in a session a few days ago, I heard one of the most brilliant mind doctors in this community say, every time I'm called into a situation like we were discussing, I do not want to go there alone. I want to know, and this is specific for why I was there, I want to know, will there be a chaplain there? And will there be peer support, because I understand there's some things that i can 't take care of, and there are some people who would rather see the chaplain than they would me now 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 i I, I was kind of taken back in all of that because that 's not always the case and and there 's probably more Out there that's available in those areas than ever before there's probably more life coaches and psychiatrists and counselors and psychologists and doctors and probably more than ever before in the history of the world is there an availability for people to find someone who you can talk to now you'll have to pay them for that unless there's a you know there's a bleeding heart somewhere and and there's some people that'll say well I'll do that for a child or I won't charge anything for a veteran or whatever it may be. There are, but for the most part, there are people by the bukus out there who will set across from you and listen if that's what you need. listen. Solve the situation? No. Really know you? No. Understand everything about your life? No. Please, please, don't take me wrong because I'm involved in all of this. Really care about you? When your 50 minutes is up, there's somebody coming in right behind you with 50 more minutes. And right behind you is 50 more minutes. And right behind you is 50 more minutes. And I'm not making blanket statements here where everybody falls there. But for the most part, there's not a whole lot of care left. But that's what it's all, that's what it's billed as this is patient care this is when nobody else cares he does when nobody else understands he does when when the details are over And you're not sure how you're going to get through all of that. Yes, there are people in our world who specialize and they have emphasis in various areas and I'm appreciative of that. I learned from many of them. Yet people are more overwhelmed today than they have been in recent or recalled history. There are more people that are ending their lives because of stress and because of pressure and are you hearing me right now we have all of this available stuff out there but people can't get up in the morning they can't function through their day they can't lay down at night it's not just the elderly it's the middle age, it's children it's like never before are we living in a world like we're living in right now and and, and I'm telling you it's not getting better, it's only getting worse and I'm here to say you can be as specialized as you want and as focused as you want and, and emphasize everything that you can but there will come a time that man cannot fix you man cannot answer you man cannot work it out it doesn't matter what the degree is it doesn't matter what the training is it doesn't matter how many hours or days or years yes there's good in it all but there will come a day that only the one that that really cares about you. Only the one that really knows you. Only the one that really has your best interest at heart will show up and say, you don't have to just talk about it. Give it all to me. Don't just talk about your pressure. Give me your pressure. Don't just talk about your stress. Give me your stress. Don't just talk about the heartache. Give me the heartache. I mean, there's not a transfer and we have educated people sitting here that practice in some of these areas. There is not a transfer that happens sitting from one side of the desk to the other, or from the couch to the chair. Or in the, there's not a transfer that the person that is doing the listening will walk out of their office that day, eight hours later, after seeing ten people. And walk out, Cindy, that evening and say, "Oh, I don't think I can make it home because all that stuff was transferred over to me and I'm carrying all that. And they've gone free. Never, never, never. But he said, give it to me. Give me that. Brie, you don't have to walk home with it. Give it to me. He said, just cast it. Give it to me. When you can't hand it off to anybody else, hand it off to me because David, I care for you. That's what we have in the Scripture. Talking about the infinite possibilities, Candice, of when we get up and life is overwhelming and we don't know who we're turning to and we don't know how we're going to get through it. He said, give it to me, Holly. Give it to me. Cast it on me. Quit carrying that load. I'll carry it for you. I'll bear that burden for you. It should be obvious, but it's not. It's not because I see people constantly who were connected with Him, who were still carrying burdens that they should have transferred over to Him a long time ago. We get caught up in this big picture of life and we're through driving our interstate and getting things done and we don't realize that right there, In the details is the answer. The answer is Jesus. And the invitation is, give it to me. Give it to me. Amen. It's simple, but it's not a common practice. Give it to Him. It should be obvious, but it's not. We cast everything on everyone else but the one who can change it. The one who can fix it, somehow we put him at the bottom of the list and he's the one that needs to be at the top of the list. At the moment, the darkness starts coming in. At the moment, the depression starts weighing down. At the moment, the anxiety begins to rise. Instead of saying, who am I going to run to? Who am I going to talk to? What am I going to ingest? What will I do? The first thing I should say is I've got to cast this on him. I wake up, and life is heavy. Put it on him. I wake up. The world is closing in. Put it on Him. I wake up and the heart rate is elevated. I put it on Him. At the moment, the phone call didn't come through. The job offer didn't happen. The family member didn't show up. At that moment, I don't need to internalize this or look for someone else who is practicing and just say, here, you fix it. At that moment, I have to say, I'll take you up on that. Here it is. (laughs) Here it is. Cast it all on Him, for He careth for you. Amen. Let's stand together.